say how grateful we are to see everyone again this evening and hope that we've all had an enjoyable day. See a lot of red faces over here in the crowd. <laughs> Got a little bit of sun today, but along with that sun came a lot of enjoyment and hopefully a lot of memories in forging relationships that will, will serve them well in their lifetime. And we're grateful to see everyone and pray that our time together this evening will be time well spent. And uh, you know, we only have a certain amount of time. And so whenever we choose to spend our time on something, we're saying pretty much at that moment in time, that's what's the most important to me. And so you're saying tonight, this is what's the most important to you. And so we hope that we can avail ourselves of this opportunity to grow spiritually and to be able to uh, glorify our Lord. This evening, for a little while, we want to study concerning the subject, how to affect change in our lives. How many of us here tonight want to change? I'll put both hands up. <laughs> we all want to change. There's always We always look at ourselves and we see things about us that we want to change. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Because if you ever get into a point in your life where you don't want to change, you're, ex- you're accepting a lie. And we'll talk about that in just a moment. Yet, as much as we want to change, if you've ever tried to make significant change in your life or to affect significant change in the lives of other people, it can be very, very frustrating. It can be very, very difficult. And so we want to acknowledge that right off the bat. What we're going to look at tonight are some things that are very basic. And, and, and maybe we make, we'll make changing our life or affecting change in the lives of other people sound like it's just something that's real simple. And it's not something that's real simple. There's a lot of, a lot of dynamics that go into change. And, but what I want to present to you tonight are just some things that we can focus on and some things that we can direct our attention to. Whenever we're at those points in our life to where we feel like we need to change, or maybe someone comes to us and they ask for help and they've got a problem or they've got an issue and they want to change, what do we do then? What do we say to them? You know, do we just, you know, well, you know, I don't know what to do. But this can give us some understanding or some ideas as to, okay, you want me to help you to change? These are some points that we can look at. This is a direction that we can go in. Go in. In Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, verses that are very familiar to us, where Paul says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world. Now again, this week we've been talking about living in this present world. And hopefully we've impressed upon you and upon myself that this world wants us to be a certain way. This world wants us to live a certain way. The Apostle refers to it in Ephesians chapter 2 as the course of this world. That if we want to just jump in the stream of the world, the world is going to take us where it wants us to go. The world is going to make us what it wants us to be. It's real easy to conform. But rather than conforming to the world, the Apostle Paul tells us that we need to be transformed. Now transformed, that's something that's a little more difficult. By the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Which is easier? Just to believe what everybody else is believing around you? Or to believe different and to stand up for that belief? What's easier? Just to behave like everybody else around you is behaving? Or to behave differently and stand up for that conduct of life? You see, we as Christians, we're called to be transformed because we want to prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I want to be a proof. 
I want to be a proof of God's will in this life. You want to be a proof of God's will in this life. You want to show the effectiveness and you want to show the, uh, the, the wisdom of God's will in living in this world. And in order to do that, we can't do it by being the way that the world is. We've got to be transformed. The word transformed means simply to change. The word transform comes from the Greek word where we get our word metamorphosis. Going from the caterpillar to the butterfly. That's the type of change that the apostle is talking about here. That we're going to have a metamorphosis in our life. That the world wants us to be one way, but by the grace and the power of God, we're going to choose to live and be different because we want to be a proof of God's will in this world. The Apostle goes on in Ephesians chapter 4 here where he speaks to the Ephesians. And he talks about change. Using a common analogy that you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. So here he talks about putting off and putting on. You know, at the cookout today... All of us were dressed a little bit different. We've changed, haven't we? We've changed. We're not wearing t-shirts with paint all over them. And uh, we're not wearing our ball caps. And we're not wearing all the things that we wore this afternoon. We've changed. What we did was we took off those old clothes and we put on those new clothes. So we look different from what we were earlier in the day. And that's what Paul is talking about here. He's using that analogy of putting off and putting on clothes to show that we need to change. Colossians 3, 8 to 10, put off all of these things, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth, lie not one to another, seeing that you've put off the old man and his deeds and put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Put off, put on, put off, put on, be transformed. Now what I want to emphasize is as Paul was writing to the Romans and the Ephesians and the Colossians, he wasn't writing to a group of new converts. He wasn't writing to a newly established congregation, but rather he was talking to people who had been Christians for some time. And even though they had been Christians for some time, they hadn't arrived at where they needed to be. And the Apostle Paul's mind, he looked at his life as never arriving where he needed to be. He said in Philippians chapter 3 that he counted himself not having apprehended, but this one thing I do, I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. What change does, filling the need for change it does, is it gives us the motivation to grow and to press on. And that's what Paul is saying to the Romans and to the Ephesians and to the Colossians. And he's saying to you and me, we have a challenge to change. As Christians, we are called to change. You know why? Every day, the world is trying to conform us to its image. So then every day, we have to be seeking to be transformed to the image that God has called us to be. How many times today did you think about changing and being different from the world? (laughs) How many times today were you aware or conscious of the impressions of the world upon you and you felt a need to, to stand firm, to, to be able to prove the perfect will of God? That's what we're called to do every day. To sense the pressures as the world seeks to conform us and live a transformed life in order to prove that perfect will of God. 
How many of us are perfect? No one's perfect. Again, I'll put up two hands. Since we're not perfect, every day we are to be working to affect change in our life. So whenever we look at the Christian life, one of the things that characterizes the Christian life is that it is a life of change. And so we have to be educated somewhat on just about how to go about change. Well, the first thing we want to notice is that change has to begin with the light. Change has to begin with a lie. If I want to change, well then number one, I need to know what I need to change. And number two, I need to know what I need to change into. And so in order to understand what I need to change and what I need to be changed into, I go to the light. The or rather John writes, For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. Jesus speaking, But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. So what does the light do? What does the Word do? Well, number one, it reproves. The word reprove there means to convict, to convince, to tell a fault. And so whenever I look into the Word, the Word tells me when I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. That's why it's important that we spend our time in the Word and we not be like that man that James talked about that looks in a mirror one time and then walks away and straightway forgets what manner of man he is. I'm sure that all of us, before we came, we looked in the mirror. I'm sure that a lot of us looked in a mirror several times today, didn't we? Because we wanted to look in the mirror, we wanted to see how we were. Why did we look in the mirror? Just to sit there and admire yourself on how pretty you were? Some people do that, but probably looked in the mirror to see, is there anything I need to change about me? Is there anything about my hair that I need to change? Do I need to change anything about my clothes? Do I need to change anything? That's why we look in a mirror. And so that's the same way with the Word of God. We have to look in the Word of God consistently throughout our life. And not only just look into the Word of God, but listen to other people who are living in the Word of God. Listen to what they have to say to me. See, coming into the light doesn't just mean that I pick up my Bible and read the Bible, but it means that I also listen to people that are walking in the light. Because those people that are walking in the light can also help me to understand change that might be necessary in my life. And so we have to go to the light in order that our deeds might be made manifest to render apparent. This is what I'm doing good. This is what I'm not doing good. This is what I need to be. This is what I am. And so we carry out that assessment in the light of God's Word. We're not listening to the voices of the world, letting the world tell us, what we need to be, and letting the world tell us what we need to change, we want to listen to the Word. And so if we're going to change, we've got to come to the light. So after we go to the light, now we want to look at some things that we can identify as necessary for change in our life. And change isn't a nice, neat, one, two, three, four step program like I've got this PowerPoint put together. All of these things overlap, all of these things come together, but what they are are things that we can be conscious of as we move towards change in our life to be different from the world or try to help other people in change in their life. The first thing that we have to do is, if I want to change my life or affect change in the life of someone else, I've got to change some things. We're going to break it down. We're going to break it down. 
So if I want a big change, there has to be a bunch of little changes take place within my life. And the first change that we want to look at is a change of mind. A change of mind. If I want to affect change in my life, then the first thing I need to do is change my mind. Let's look at these verses again. When Paul said, be transformed by what? By the renewing of your mind. Whenever the apostle said to put off and put on, he said what? To be renewed in the spirit of your mind. In Colossians 3, when he said to put off and put on, he told them to be renewed in knowledge. Renewed, renewed, renewed. What is a renewal? A renewal is a change. A change in our mind, a change in our knowledge. The word renew means to come into the place of what had formerly been, or maybe a word that we're more familiar with, is renovate. Our minds have to be renovated. I can't think the same way and expect to change. Because all of my actions, all of my behaviors are predicated on what's in my mind. And so if I'm not willing to change what's in my mind, I'm not going to be able to affect change in my life. Or if I'm not able to help others make a change in their mind, I'm not going to be able to help affect change in their life. You see, he uses the word renovate. That's a picture of a renovation. You know, a lot of times when we think of a renovation, we like to think of the finished product. But if any of you have ever watched HGTV... (laughs) or you've ever done a renovation, you know that it gets pretty messy. It gets pretty messy. They bring out the sledgehammers and they go to hitting and banging and they get that pry bar and they just just go to tearing away at things. And we need to understand that that's what's involved in change. That's not just what's involved whenever we change the decor of our kitchens, the decor of our living room, or whatever it is. That's what takes place whenever we make change in our life. There has to be some renovation taking place. There has to be some tearing out. I might have to tear out thoughts, and I might have to tear out ways of thinking that I've thought all of my life. There are ways of thinking that mom and dad have given to me. There are ways of thinking that I learned in my church whenever I was growing up and I've lived by these for so long and I value this way of thinking and it's precious to me. And for the most part, it seemingly has worked for me. But I may have to give it up. I may have to give it up. How many of you have significantly changed the way you thought about something in your life? You can't think the same way and expect to change. And that's why that it's so important as Christians that we, number one, we go to the truth and challenge our thinking with truth. Number two, that's why we surround ourselves with brethren that will challenge our thinking. The best thing that you can do, and this is an approach that you can take if someone wants to, uh, wants to uh, have change affected in their life, is to explore their thinking. And we instinctively do that a lot of times as parents. Whenever our kids do something that we look at as just way out there, what's the first thing you say to them? What were you thinking? What were you thinking? Why do we ask that question? And we, I mean, parents ask it to kids, but I'm, I'm sure that, uh, you know, Yancey or other people that own a business have employees that do things with their money, and they just, what were you thinking? Because we know that our thoughts are directly tied to the way that we act. 
And so we need to explore our thinking. You know, a lot of times in counseling, we'll sit down with counselors and they'll ask, well, how do you feel? You know, and that's good empathy to show a feeling for their feelings. But really, whenever it comes to the actual working for change, what's important is, what are you thinking? What are you thinking? At the root of every sinful behavior in our life, at the root of every sinful habit that we want to change in our life is a lie. There's a lie somewhere. Like we studied the other night with Adam and Eve. There's a lie somewhere. And somewhere in our thinking, we're believing a lie and our actions are built upon a lie. So if I'm going to help someone, I want to help them search for the lie that they're believing. If I want to find and make change in my life, I want to understand what's the lie that I'm believing that's causing me to do this. And so whenever we look at change, it's necessary in order to do the hard work. And that's this is one reason why a lot of people don't change. They just value the way that they think and they don't want to change their mind about anything. I know a person that said one time, I haven't changed my mind in 30 years. (laughs) And they said it like it was, I'm as strong as they come. Well, that told me they probably hadn't changed in 30 years. And I don't know about you, but I'd hate to be the same person that I was 30 years ago. And so we have to be willing, if we want to change, we have to be willing to give up ways of thinking maybe that we've had in the past and take in new ways of thinking that are based upon truth. And so we have to change our mind. Another approach that we need to take to change is not only changing our mind, looking at our thinking, tearing out the old thinking and bringing in new thinking, but that is to change our will. Our will. Philippians 2.13, the apostle says, For it's God which worketh in you to both will and to do of His good pleasure. Everything that we do is predicated on what we think, but also on our will. What is it that we just simply will to do? The word will there simply means to determine, choose, or prefer. And everything that you do, you will to do. We don't do everything we want to do, but we do everything we will to do. Don't confuse wanting to with being willing to. I've had a lot of people come to me wanting help. I've had a lot of people coming to me wanting to change. And I'm sure others of you that that are in positions where people come to you, you have a lot of people coming to you wanting to help and wanting to change, but how many of them actually do change? How many of them actually do change? You know, a lot of people, a lot of times people will take solace in the fact that they want to. Well, I want to do better. I want to do better. Well, that's good. But you're not going to change until you will to do better. Till you make that choice. Till you make that determination that this is what I am going to do. Let me explain it this way. Your will determines the cost you're willing to pay for change. Change comes with a cost. And your will determines 
whether you're willing to pay that cost. I like to illustrate it like this. When I'm walking down the street and I'm looking in the windows, I'm seeing a lot of things that I want. I'm seeing a lot of things that I want. But whenever I stop and I go into the store and then I look at the price tag, do you buy everything you want? You don't buy everything you want, do you? But you buy everything you will. You don't buy everything you want, but you buy everything you will. You look at the price tag and you realize, okay, this is worth that cost. So now my want becomes a matter of will and I'm going to purchase it. But I may look at it in the window and think that it's great and then look at the price tag and decide, yeah, I want this, but I will not pay this for it. That's the difference between want and will. And that is that the cost of the way that I've been living is now greater than the cost of the change. And so now I'm willing to make that change. But don't think that just because you want to change or that I want to change, that change is going to happen. Don't think that there is a virtue in wanting to change. The virtue is in being willing to change, willing to pay the price. You know, and sometimes people just look at the cost of change and say, well, you know, that's too high of a cost for me. I'm going to have to give up thinking the way I've always been thinking. Here's a real big cost that a lot of people refuse to give up that's so necessary to change that we'll talk about in a minute. I just can't give up my friends. I just can't give up my friends. Or I just, I can't give up working there. Or I can't give up going. Well, I just can't get, well, okay, all right. At least you're honest. You're not willing to pay the price. An illustration of this is in Mark 10, verses 17 to 22. It said, There came forth unto Jesus a young man. They came running and kneeled to him and asked him, Good Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said unto him, Why do you call me good? There's none good but one, that is God. You know the commandments. Don't commit adultery, don't kill, don't steal, don't bear false witness, don't defraud, honor your father and your mother. He answered and said unto him, Master, all these have I observed from my youth up. This is going good. Because it's not costing me anything so far because I already do this. This is great. So notice that he came running and he kneeled down. Is he manifesting a want to in regard to eternal life? Absolutely. And so Jesus says, do this, do this, do this. And each with each commandment that Jesus talks about, the smile just gets bigger and bigger and bigger because it looks like I'm going to get something that I'm not going to have to pay anything for. I already do this. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him and said, One thing you lack, go sell thy, go thy way, sell whatsoever you have, give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come, take up the cross and follow me. Jesus grabbed the price tag and he turned it over. And the young man looked at it. Is there any doubt that this young man wanted eternal life? Is there any doubt that he wanted it? He was sad at that saying and went away grieved. He wanted it, but did he will it? No. And that's important for us to understand, both in ourselves and in people that we work with. You know, sometimes if we're working with someone that wants to change or needs to change, but they just don't have the will to, sometimes we have to raise the cost of doing business. Sometimes we have to raise the cost of doing business. Sometimes we may have to withdraw a relationship. 
Sometimes we might have to withdraw a privilege. Sometimes we might have to withdraw something from that person that we really, really love, but we know they have a stubborn will that has to be broken. So what we're going to do is we're going to raise the cost of doing business. And we're going to raise that cost. And we're going to raise that cost. And allow that person to suffer the consequences of their actions till finally they get to the point to where they say, the cost that I'm having to pay for the way I am is greater than the cost of change. And that motivates them then to make the change. And sometimes for us, if we want personal change, we're going to have to sit down and really become aware of the cost. What is this really costing me? Because until the cost of the old way is greater than the cost of change, we're not going to change. We're not going to change. Next is a change of action. A change of action. You've got to do something different. You've got to do something. You've got to do something. You're not going to study your way to change. You're not going to pray your way to change. Study and prayer are necessary, but you're not going to study your way to change. You're not going to pray your way to change. You're not going to counsel your way to change. The only way that you're going to change and I'm going to change is to change our actions. Very clearly, James 1 Lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. Deceiving our own selves. You've got to do what the word says. Because the blessing is in the doing. You know, after Jesus washed the disciples' feet, And He taught them that example of service. He told them, Happy are ye if you do these things. Not happy are you if you sit around and have an intellectual discussion about humility and servitude to one another and sit around and talk about how we should all do the same for each other. He said, The blessing is in the doing. Do it. you got to do something. You might have to quit doing something you've done all your life and do something that you're not comfortable doing. But hopefully have the will to understand that it's worth the cost. Galatians chapter 6 verse 7, Be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. It's the old sowing and reaping principle. You know, like we talked about the other night, whenever God asked the question, Adam and Eve, where are you and what have you done? Well, here we are, and that's what we've done. What we've done has put us where we are. So, if I want to be in a different place, then what I need to do is look back and not do what I did that put me here, but chart a different course in a different way to put me in a different place. And that's the thing about change is, again, it takes action. It takes doing. It takes, if you want to be something different than you were, you've got to do things that are different than what you've done. And unless we're willing to make that change in action, we can only expect to be what we are. What we are. 
If I want to lose weight, I can't eat that peanut butter and jelly sandwich right before bedtime. I love it. You know, and hopefully one day I'll get to the point to where that cost is greater. But I mean, we can all look at things in our life and say, actions that we can say, I can quit doing that and I can start doing this. I can quit doing that and I can start doing this. And be willing to do that. But again, oftentimes, we find that hard and we find that difficult. We involve ourselves in study and we involve ourselves in counsel and we talk and we do all of this. And, and, and all the time we're doing that, we're thinking that, you know, well, I'm, a, I'm, I'm changing. I'm, no, you're not changing until you actually do something. You're not changing until you actually do something. Einstein said, insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. So you've got to do something different. And then finally, the last one. And to me, this is the the telltale sign of change. If I meet somebody, then I've known something about them, and maybe they tell me that they've changed. If I really, really want to know whether they've changed or not, this tells me whether they've changed and they're serious about that change. And that is a change of environment. A change of environment. Think of this for just a moment. And this will be a repeat of something that we talked about the other day. Our life and our actions take root in and are sustained by the environment that we live in. Our life and our actions are sustained by the environment we live in. We surround ourselves with people pretty much, that support us in the way that we want to be. That's why the person that wants to use drugs surrounds himself with other people that do drugs. That's why the the person that's uh, an atheist usually surrounds himself with other people that are atheists. Because they feed into him what he or she wants to be. So we were talking about with the, with the young kids the other day. That's the whole purpose of a relationship. The word relationship comes from the Latin word, which means to bring back. In other words, we get in relationships because I want to bring something back to me that I want or need. I'm in the relationships with the people that I'm in relationships with because they have something that I want or need. You might think, well, that sounds selfish. It's, it's not selfish if you understand the godly precept of a relationship. And the godly precept is, if I want to get from other people what I need from them, I need to give to them what they need first. But the bottom line is, we're in relationships in order to get things. In order to sustain and support the life that we want to live. So the people that are around you, the people that make up your environment, the people that you choose to be friends with and relate to are people that have what you want. And have what I want. And so if there is a predominant behavior in my life, and maybe it's a behavior that I want to change, Along with all of the things that I'm changing, what I'm going to have to do is change the people that are around me. I'm going to have to remove those people that have been feeding that negative behavior. And I'm going to have to bring into my life new people that can support that behavior. 
Think about your friends. Think about the people that you, when you can be with anyone you want to be with, you think about the people you choose to be with. And look at those people. And study those people real closely. Because those people reflect your values. Those people reflect your values. Because those people have something that you want. And so it's important for us to understand the power of our environment and the people that are in our environment and to realize that our life and our actions take root in our environment. If I was an atheist, I probably wouldn't be friends with Michael and Carrie. Because <laughs> I know every time we get together, it, I mean, it would just be conflict. And he probably wouldn't want me around, and I wouldn't blame him for that. But because the two of us want the same thing out of life, we've become pretty good friends. And it's the same way with all of you. Hopefully, you can look at your friends and say, if you want to know what I'm all about, just go look at my friends. Just go look at my friends. And hopefully, we would all feel comfortable saying that. If you want to know what my values are about, just go look at my friends. If you want to know what I really want out of life, just go look at my friends. Because they've got something that I want and I choose to be with them. Remember what we said the other night, that our decisions and our choices are reflections of our values. And so if I'm in an environment that supports something that I want to change, I'm going to have to give up some people. But not just give up some people, I'm going to have to add people. Proverbs 13.20, He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. It can't get much simpler than that. If I have a change that I want in my life, one of the things that I try to do is find somebody that's already living that change. Have a relationship with them. Have a relationship with them. Find somebody that is living the change that you want in your life and form a relationship with them. Because he that walks with wise men will be wise, but a companion of fools will be destroyed. Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. Again, you know, sometimes I almost want to apologize putting that verse up there because everybody knows it's in there. (laughs) However... Understand the first part. Be not deceived. You see, somehow, some way, we think that we can have surround ourselves with worldly friends and live a spiritual life. But whenever we look at the scriptures, that's a deception. You know, we read back, I think it was in James, you know, don't be deceived. If we don't do the Word, we're deceiving ourselves. And we see that self-deception every day. People that aren't doing what they need to be doing, but all the while they're deceiving themselves into thinking, I'm really trying to change. I'm not going to do anything you tell me to do, but we're going to talk it to death, and I'm really trying to change. Or right here. Yeah, I'm really trying to change. You know, these are my old buddies that I've had since high school, and we've had a lot of good times together and, and everything, and I'm, you know, I'm just not going to give them up. But I'm going to change. No, you're not. Don't deceive yourself. <clears throat> Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. So as we look at the study this evening, whenever we approach change in our life, 
which of these two groups of people are going to make me smarter? <laughs> it's pretty obvious, isn't it? You know, and just as obvious as that is up there, it's obvious in my life and it's obvious in your life too. You know, the Bible talks about wise and fools. Wise and fools. I mean, you can call them what you want. You can call them doctors and stooges. If you want to be smart, you got to be with the doctors. you got to be with those that seem to have it together and are going in the right way. But yet a lot of times we think we can run with this crowd and be like that crowd. Don't be deceived. So if we want to affect change in our life, if we want to affect change in the lives of other people, we need to change our mind, change our will, change our action, and change our environment. And again, I don't want this to be an oversimplified approach. I know that change is much more involved and much more difficult in this. But what this does is it gives us a little bit of a structure to where, okay, I want to change or my friend wants to change. What are some things that we can address? And so we have discussions about, okay, what are you thinking? Or we have a discussion about, you know, what are you giving up to live this way? What's it costing you to live this way? Okay, what is it that you've done that, 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 that's gotten you where you are? You know, who are the people you... I mean, those are questions that we can ask each other. Those are questions we can ask ourselves that will give us some insight and give us a foot forward in the transformation that we've been called to do. If you're here tonight and you're not a Christian, you need to change your mind. You need to understand that as the light of God's Word shines upon you, it reproves you and convicts you as a sinner. You're outside of Christ. You've sinned. And therefore, you stand in the shadow of God's wrath and judgment. We pray that you'll come to an understanding of that and that you'll understand that Christ died for your sins and that through obedience to His gospel by baptism, your sins can be washed away and you can be risen with Christ to become a new creature. And we hope that you'll look at your life and understand that the cost of the way that you're living is too great a cost that... You can gain the whole world and lose your soul. It's time to change. It's time to change. And that you will take action. That you will put your faith in Jesus. And that you will be obedient to the gospel. And that you'll enter into a community of believers that will support you in a holy life. In a life that seeks to please God. Or if you're here tonight and maybe you've already done that. And you look in your life and maybe you're struggling with some change. And... You're wanting to break free and you just can't seem to do it. You know, there are some changes that we just can't make on our own. We just can't make them on our own. And we've got to realize that. And we've got to put away our pride and our arrogance and think, thinking that we can do it and ask someone for help. Ask someone for help. Ask someone to join up with you, to help you to work through all of this and to come to an understanding and a realization of the truth of God's Word and to hold you accountable for changing your actions and changing your environment and someone that will walk with you through the change process to help you to realize the blessing that comes from conforming even more every day to God's Word. So if we can help one or more, we'd ask you to come as we stand and sing.